Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 11. No surprise there, right? John chapter 11. Can we swap this uh, screen over? There we go. Thank you. We talked last week, John chapter 11, verse 5, says that Jesus loved Lazarus, excuse me, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved all three of these. And, and in this chapter, uh, he kind of deals with each one, each one differently. First Martha, and then Mary, and then Lazarus, of course. Uh, and then at the end of the chapter, we see some reaction and, and you know, other people involved as well. But we have these different personalities uh, Martha, very different from Mary. Lazarus, we don't know a whole lot about his personality, but, but Jesus dealt with him too. Now, Martha was like the busy type, right? She was the active person. She's the one always in there getting things done, the practical one. And Mary was more reserved. She was more quiet. She was, uh, you know, more who, someone who would, who would be kind of spiritual. Now, I want to keep your hand in there in John chapter 11, but let's read the verses, the only other verses we have about Martha and Mary uh, together in Luke chapter 10. We're going to read those again because it gives us the, this background on, on these two sisters and really Lazarus as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, this family, the three of them shared a, a condo and... Uh, Jesus would visit them and stay with them from time to time. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made and she came to him, that is to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. We talked about Martha last week, we're not gonna, but it's just so interesting to me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So you have these two sisters, again, very different personalities. One's all busy, and then she got upset because, you know, Mary wasn't getting up and helping her, and, and then we have that exchange there. But in, back in John now, chapter 11, Martha, you know, they had sent this message to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick, right? And that's the, what, what had happened. And, and Jesus, uh, we looked at that in the first part of the chapter. He waited like two days before he ever came there, and he finally got there. And Martha, she heard that Jesus was nearby, and so she got up and went to meet him. What did Mary do? Mary stayed home. Martha got to Jesus and she said these words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
If you had only been here, he would not have died. So there's a, a mixture of faith. There's a mixture of unbelief there as well. And I think that there were some unspoken questions like, why weren't you, why weren't you here? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you make it? Why didn't you, you know, do what, what needed to be done? You kind of let us down. There was a, there was a sense of disappointment and, and, and this idea that it's too late now. We can't, you know, there's, it's too late. He's done. If you had been here, maybe something could have happened, but it's too late now for anything to happen. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will at the last day. But Jesus wants her and us to trust him now, today, for what he might do. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? So he, he, he brought it back to her faith, to what she believed, what she held on to what she trusted in. And really, what, what, what was he talking about? He was talking about who he is. Do you trust in me? Do you believe in me? And, and she said she did. And she made a great confession, you know, that he was, uh, you find it here in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. So she had a great confession. She had her faith. And so a person like, Martha, who was always busy, yet she had this faith. And that's important. Yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, all of our dis different personalities and that is good. You know, we're all different. We all do things differently. But it was important. Jesus brought her back to this place of, do you believe? He had quite a discussion with her about this. Do you believe this? And I think... For someone who is like that, maybe, that's, maybe you're like a Martha. It's, it's not a bad thing, but there's a sense where you need to hold on to your faith. What do you trust? That, you know, who do you trust in? Now today, we're going to talk about the other sister, this sister Mary. There's, I put Mary of Bethany because there are other Marys in the Bible, obviously, different Marys. This one, Mary of Bethany. She's a very different personality from Martha, as we saw there in Luke chapter 10, and even what happens here in Luke chapter 11. She's quiet. She's spiritual. Someone said to me last week, uh, you know, that she was the religious one. You know, you can kind of picture her, right? She's got all the pictures on the wall at the house, you know. She's got all the little sticky notes everywhere in the bathroom, the refrigerator, everywhere. You know, verses everywhere. Just that's, that's kind of her personality. That's who she is. She's kind of like just way in tune to that. But someone else came up to me afterwards and said, you know, when you get home, you've been gone all day. When you come home, what do you want? Someone who's been reading the Bible all day or dinner? I was speechless. <laughs> the truth is both. Both. We need both. We need to be busy. We need to be doing things. But we need to be holding on to our faith and, and sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. You know, the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, you know, 
You've heard about who she is. She was extremely busy. She did a lot of stuff. But at the end of those verses in chapter 31 of Proverbs, it says this. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. It says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. King James Version says vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So you have a woman who's just, she's busy from, the, you know, from daybreak all the way you know, into the evening. Busy, 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 but yet she feared the Lord. She had a faith in God. She had a relationship with God. And, and you know what? Uh, you know, Jesus wasn't rebuking Martha there in Luke chapter 10, but he's saying, you know what? If there's one thing that's more important, it's, it's listening to what Jesus had to say. You can do all the works in the world and not have a faith in Jesus, and it's not going to get you anywhere. But if you have a trust and faith in Jesus, and you don't ever do anything, well, that's kind of a problem too, right? Because what did James say? James says, you know, uh, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. You know, if we really truly do believe, it will affect how we live and, and how we act and what we do. So, let's pick it up here in, in uh, John chapter 11, verse 28. This is pretty much where we left off. So Martha has given this confession to Jesus, and, and after she had said this, Martha, she went back, back to the town, the village, and she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. The teacher is here, and not only that, he's asking for you. Again, Martha had got up. They'd both heard that Jesus was out there. Martha got up and went to where he was. Mary stayed where she was. Now, we didn't hear this part of the conversation between Jesus and Martha that the teacher was asking, that Jesus was asking for Mary, but obviously that's what had happened. Mary uh, was told that by her sister Martha. Now, Jesus had, again, a special, unique relationship with each one. He loved Martha, and he, and he talked with her, and he, and he dealt with her, but, but also he dealt with Mary in a different way. And so he's outside the town now. Mary had not gotten up to go to where Jesus was. Why did Mary not go? Martha got up and went. Why did Mary not go? I had to think about that. I wonder about that. I'm not sure I have uh, uh, the total answer because it doesn't really say here, but some think maybe it was convention that Mary, you know, women wouldn't just go out and run out like that. It's just not what they did in those days at that time. But Martha went up and did it. Right? She got up and, and went out. Maybe it was her temperament. She was just kind of like she's quiet and not, you know, didn't get up and do a lot of stuff. You know, she was just kind of like real mellow. She wasn't, you know, impulsive. Or maybe she was disappointed. I wonder about that. And the reason I say we'll see as we get to some of the reactions and what, what happens here, but, you know, she used to sit, as we read in Luke 10, at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he said. 
And then, and then this thing happens with her brother. Her brother dies. And Jesus didn't get there in time. And now Jesus is outside the village and she stays in the house. I wonder, what's going through her mind? What is she thinking? So Martha goes and, and out to see Jesus. She comes back and tells Mary, the teacher, he's here. Listen, he's here. Well, I think, I think Mary already knew that, but she said, he's asking for you. He's calling for you, one version says. He's calling your name. He's calling for you. Jesus said, where's Mary? I, I want Mary. I want to talk to Mary. That's interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 29. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When she heard that Jesus was calling for her, she got up. How? That's an adverb, right? She got up quickly and she went to him. She went to Jesus. She heard that he was calling. And she got up quickly. It, it, the word means without delay. She didn't stop to think about it. And she went to Jesus. You know, there's, again, something about the personality of Mary where she was responsive to the voice of Jesus. She heard what he said and, and she was responsive to it. He called. And what did she do? She went. He called. Without delay, she went to him. He called for her. He called out to her. I believe, and, I, and, I, and I, I just know this from personal experience and just being involved with people, uh, that Jesus is still calling us today. He's still calling us today. And I, and I think there's a, a question about this, is how fast will we respond? How fast will we respond to what He has to say to when He calls us? So many times we have, we have so many reasons well, we, you know, first I need to, you know, take care of this. And first I need to take care of that. And Jesus is calling us to spend time and to be with him, to come to him. And he said, no, but first I got to eat my breakfast. First I need to watch this television program. First I need to. There's so many things that get in the way. You know what I'm talking about? Or am I just speaking into the air here? We have all kinds of stuff that, that, that keeps us from from going to Jesus, and he's calling for us. He's calling us by name. I think he called Mary by name, and I think he's calling each one of us, each one of you, by your name. What is your name? Well, he knows your name. He's going to call you by name. He's not going to say, you, hey, you over there. All of you come. Yeah, there is a sense he does call us as a group, but he's calling you each of us individually. There's something about a relationship with Jesus that is so very real and so very personal. Look at verse 30. It says that Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. That's kind of interesting, right? He stopped there. He got to this certain spot and he met Martha there and then Martha went back and told Mary and he just stayed where he was. He just stayed where he was. It's like he was waiting for her. Wasn't he? 
I think he was. He was waiting for her. We, we talk in the, you know, the Bible talks in language like this that, you know, we wait on the Lord, right? We wait on him. But I think it's also true the Lord waits on us. He's waiting for you and I to, to get up and go to him, wait, waiting for you and I to get up and do something. He's waiting for us. Yeah, we have to wait on the Lord. There's so many, this happens sometimes, I think, where, where you know, the Lord is calling us, and maybe he's calling us to do something specific, or he's calling us to, to, to make a change in our lives, to get rid of something, cut something off, do something. And, 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 then, and then we say, well, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord about that. I'm just waiting. But, but yet he's already made it clear what he wants. His word has made it clear. His spirit has made it clear. The situation has made it clear. And I'm just waiting on the Lord. That sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? But it could be just disobedience. I'm waiting on the Lord. Really? Turn around. Boom. You know, he's waiting on us. I think another reason why he stayed out there was he, he wanted to meet with Mary apart from the crowd. It's great to be in a crowd and we worship the Lord together and we sing and, and, and that, but, but there, again, there's something, and I, and I talk about this a lot, about you and I having this devotional life where we spend time with Jesus. Now, there was a bit of a problem here. We're going to see that the crowd kind of followed. But at the house there, right, we already read that earlier, there was a whole group of people and they were all, you know, wailing and mourning and doing what, you know, they, the convention was, that's what they usually would do. But Jesus was waiting out by himself for her to spend time alone with her. I think the same thing is true today. He's made an appointment. Verse 31. We're just moving right through here, aren't we? We're going to be done sometime today. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, I just mentioned, comforting her, they noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. They had seen what she was doing, and they followed her. Now, again, my last point maybe isn't quite so strong because the whole group went to follow where she was going. So, but, but, but I think we see this, too, that these people were watching her. And then they followed her. And people are watching us. People are watching you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, they knew Mary was the one who would sit at the feet of Jesus, and they watched her. Well, what is she doing now? Where is she going now? And I think the fact that she went to Jesus, and then they followed her, and they saw that, they go, wow, what's this all about? You and I are a witness whether we use words or, no, or we don't use words. Patrick's going to talk uh, in, in some weeks uh, ahead where some people said, they came and they said, we want to see Jesus. They went to a disciple. And then that disciple went to another and, and so on and so forth. People 
want to see who Jesus is, but, but are we, you know, is he here physically? No, but they see him in us. They see him by how we live. Do I, do I live any differently from, from the rest of the world around me, or am I just right in there partying it up? Doing everything the world does, watching this and watching that. Is there something different in my life, or am I just like all the rest? People are watching. You know, we have to be careful the kind of reactions we have. I have to be careful. I don't, you know, in certain situations where I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to say something, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to blow it, and just blow my witness right out of the water. Oh, yeah. Nice Christian. Nice pastor Christian. Double. You know, have you ever dealt with car salesmen? Unbelievable. Now, that'll get your blood boiling. The, the, the stories they tell you, I, well, I was going to say use the word lie, but you can't ever really confirm. You can't ever really get to, the, to know if it really was a lie or not, but it sure sounded like one. That gets me upset. But I'm still a witness for Jesus, so I, I've got to be careful what I say, how I act, what I do. Where I go, people are watching. They follow her out. What, what happens next in verse 32? It said, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. Just picture this. She saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's why, again, I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, what was going on with Mary back there in the house. She got called by Jesus to come out and meet with him. And as soon as she saw him, she like, she like fell apart. She fell at his feet. She fell apart. And, 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 you know, what was going on there? The word means that she was prostrate or, or to descend from a higher place to a lower place. She got down at the ground level. She fell at his feet. What was going on there? I mean, it, was it just worship? No, the, 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 the next verses tell us that she was weeping. There was way more than just worship here. She saw him and she goes like, wow. And again, the, this idea of disappointment in her life, and then, you know, she's back there thinking, you know, I'm so disappointed, you know, if only he had been here. And she says those words. But then she actually goes to Jesus and she sees him and she just loses it. Do you see what I'm getting at here? She, she was so affected by him. Now, she still had these questions maybe. But when she got to be with Jesus, things like, you know, it, for her, her person, you know, her emotions and, and all she was thinking, it all kind of like just came out right there. Later on, chapter 12, we're going to see she's at the feet of Jesus again. We already saw in Luke chapter 10, she was sat at his feet listening to what he said and and. But here she's 
she's just weeping at the feet of Jesus. I think that's an example for us. Do we spend any time at the feet of Jesus? Do we spend any time at the feet of Jesus? Again, this idea of being prostrate means to descend from a higher place to a lower place where we humble ourselves and lower ourselves to the place of humility before the Son of God. What keeps us from that is pride, right? But you can do a, you can do a study through this. I, uh, I just did a quick study, uh, you know, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this idea of lowering oneself. We, we see uh, in the Old Testament, we see this idea of being face down before God. Face down. I mean, that, you can't get any lower than having your face down to the ground before God. We see it with Abraham. We see it with the people of Israel, Leviticus. We see it with Moses and Aaron. It happened a bunch of times with Moses and Aaron. And a lot of times it was because they were having to deal with the people of Israel. And they said, we can't deal with this. And they got down on their faces before God. Their situation. We see it. Moses did the same thing. Joshua did the same thing. David and all the elders, they fell down, face down before God. One more interesting one. I use that term, Goliath. Not by choice. In the New Testament, the disciples, they fell face down before Jesus at the, the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. In the New Testament, we also see Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. The woman who was ill fell at Jesus' feet. The woman who came about her daughter, she fell at Jesus' feet. The man who was possessed fell at Jesus' feet. And, and in the book of Revelation, we see John the apostle, falling at the feet of Jesus, the 24 elders, the living creatures, and the angels falling down before Jesus at his feet. I think that's pretty good precedent, don't you? For you and I, how often do you and I get down, literally get down, physically get down? And you say, well, you know, I'm walking around, but I'm, you know, I'm humbling myself before God. But there's something, too, about doing it physically. Now, you don't have to do that in front of anybody else. You know, the, the Pharisees, they, they would do all kinds of things for everybody else to see. But for you and I to get down before the Almighty God, before Jesus, to get on our faces before Him, Mary said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Interesting thing, these are the only recorded words of Mary. It's the only words we know of what she said. The other interesting thing about this is that, that's, isn't that exactly what Martha said? Martha said the exact same thing. So, she went out and met Jesus, said that. Mary comes out and says the exact same thing. Before Jesus ever got there, do you think they were saying that to each other? I think they were. And, you know, I think, I think 
we have to be careful what we say to each other because we affect each other. Now, one of them said it first. I don't know which one said it first. Which one do you think said it first? I used to think it was Martha. But the more I look at this, I'm wondering if it was really Mary. In this, in this kind of situation, she, you know, she felt let down by the one that she had you know, put herself before and, and, and sat at his feet, and she felt let down, disappointed. Maybe there was a little crisis of faith going on here. If he had only been here. She said the same words. We don't know who said it first, but I, I wonder. And then she gets to Jesus and she falls at his feet. Jesus is going to deal with her in, in incredible ways. And, and we, we know the rest of the story, as Tom, uh, uh, Paul Harvey used to say, right? We know what the rest of the story is, that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. That's an important factor. And when we look at this whole picture, Jesus, we know he's going to do that. He knew he was going to do that. Martha didn't know. Mary didn't know. I don't think Lazarus knew yet. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus was affected by this. Those are the only words that Mary used, but she was weeping. And, and she said less than Martha, her sister, did. But that was probably part of her personality, personality too. But her tears said a lot, too. She was, you know, it, she was very moved by this. And, and because of that, now Jesus sees this. It says he was deeply moved in spirit. The New King James uh, says about deeply moved... The, Translate, translates, translates it as grieved. It can also mean angry. So Jesus, seeing all this that's going on, he's deeply moved, he's grieved, he's troubled by, he's agitated. All these things are going on. Our first premise is what? That Jesus loved Mary. And he sees her and he's moved. He knew what she was going through, and he loved her. He knows what you and I are going through, and he loves us. He knows what you are going through. He knows what you are going through. You know, Jesus, I, I mentioned this, Jesus said a lot of words to Martha. The only words that we see in this account that Jesus said to Mary are found in verse 34. Where have you laid him? It's the only words we have here. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. It's like she couldn't even answer. The people answered, come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, what does it say? Jesus wept. He's, he's moved by what's going on. He moved, he's moved by Mary and, and her reaction. It doesn't say he was weeping out with Martha, but, but Mary? 
Jesus loved her. How does he show that love? He cares for her. He's, he's, he's like with her in this. Jesus wept. Now, what do they say about this verse? Shortest verse in the Bible. And the truth of the matter is that it's the shortest verse in the Bible in the English. But it's not really the shortest verse of the Bible in the original Greek language. And I read about this. It's, it's actually uh, three words and 16 letters. The, the, shortest, uh, the shortest verse uh, in terms of words is found in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always. That's two words, 14 letters. But there's actually another verse, Luke chapter 20, verse 30. It's actually three words, but 12 letters. So there's really two shorter verses. You know, verses were all added later. You know that, right? Like, I think it was the 1500s where the verses were. So a long time, there was no verse markations. But let's go back to the English, because you know what? I don't speak Greek. You know, I'm part Greek, and I don't even speak Greek, except what we used to say at Easter time, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. So i got to get back to English. So in English, it is the shortest verse, but there's something so deep there, isn't there? Something so real, though. The heart of Jesus is here. He wept. The, the whole situation, he was overcome with emotion. You say, you know, the world says, well, men don't cry. Well, that's like nonsense. Why not? Whoever told you that crying was bad? Some of you are crying right now because you're sick of, you know, listening to me. <laughs> I wish he'd finish up. You know, it's sunny outside. I got to get outside. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Another psalm says, he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. There's something about weeping. There's something about it, I think, that to be weeping before the Almighty God. And, and, and he sees it and he weeps himself. That's why I tell people, you know, they say, I'm sorry, you know, they, 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 they lose their, you know, control over themselves and they weep and they say, I'm sorry. I say, what are you sorry about? You don't need to be sorry. It's okay. Think about Peter after he made those denials. It says that, that he went outside and he wept bitterly. But Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he says to rejoice with those who rejoice. And what else? Weep with those who weep. Isn't that what Jesus was doing? He was weeping with those who are weeping. He was right there with him. With Martha, he was right there with her, right where she was. With Mary, she was right with him, right where she was. Weep with those who weep. Why, did he, why was he weeping? I think, number one, that's why. I really believe that. So many other reasons, though, as well. He was fully human. He was the son of man. He was fully human. He had emotion. He had reaction. He had sorrow. He had sympathy. He had compassion. 
He showed us his heart for people. He shows us his heart for Mary. He showed us his heart for, for his friend Lazarus who died. Now, he even knew he was going to raise him from the dead. I think he was also upset about death. The tyranny of death over mankind, someone wrote. Isaiah chapter 53 says he was a man of sorrows. and He was acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. One other instance that we know that Jesus wept. Anybody know where that was found? What, what that was about? Jerusalem. He came and, and saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. He saw the city and he wept over it because they, he knew they were turning away from him. Verse 36, let's finish there. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. That's what they could see. You know, They could see the, his reaction, right? See how he loved him. Interesting thing, I want to think about this for just a moment. I know I'm going a little long this morning. Is it okay? Okay, good. Cry after. (laughs) But they could see His love. And, and, And this word love is used three times in this section here. The first one found in verse 3. It says, you know, the Lord, the the one you love is sick, verse 3. And the, the word used is the the Greek word phileo, which is brotherly love. The word Philadelphia comes from the city of brotherly love, from phileo. Verse 36 we just looked at is the same word, phileo. See how he loved them. That's what the people said. The first one found in verse 3 was by Martha and Mary, the message they sent to Jesus. But in verse 5, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And the word used there by John the Apostle is the word agape. See, it's so much deeper. The love of Jesus is so much deeper than than what you and I see. These people, they looked and and they said, see how he loved him. Well, I don't think they had the whole picture. One, they, they didn't realize how deep the love really was. But it wasn't just his love for Lazarus. It was his love for Martha. It was his love for Mary. It was his love for all the people that were there individually. That's what was going on there, I think. Jesus loved Mary and with this agape, this unselfish love. Jesus shows us what agape love is really all about. And, and I think he met her in her grief. I think he met her in her disappointment. He didn't give her a lot of words, but he was just there and he wept with her. He accompanied her to the tomb. He was with her. There's something very, very special there, something very, very unique. And I think it's just as unique as you are and I 
and before Him. I want to finish with this verse, and this is a verse that I believe applies to our fellowship here, our church. It's a, one of the verses that I, that I have held on to from, you know, the beginning. It says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I've always believed that that's you. Always believe that's you and me. Rare and beautiful treasures. Each one of you is unique before the Almighty God, before Jesus. And He loves you and me with a very special, personal, real love. And He's going to help you. He's going to be with you. But first, He's calling for you and I to go to Him. He's waiting for you and I to come to Him. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Lord Jesus, we, we are moved really by how you were moved with the situation there, with what was going on there in this little village of Bethany. And Lord, we're here before you today, and I, I think you're still calling. You're still, you're still caring. You cared about those people. You cared about each one of them. You loved them with an unselfish, agape love. Uh, we sort of know a little bit about phileo, this brotherly love, and how we care for each other. We love each other, but it's so much deeper, the love you have for me. I can't even fathom it. It's the great, great love of Jesus. We sing about it all the time. And how much do we really know? How deep, how high, how wide, how long it really is. And to know that love that you have for us individually. Lord, I pray you'd use these verses, this, this section in this chapter really to, to reach us, that we might fall before you, the Almighty the Creator, and, and worship You and, and confess our failings and faults before You and repent before You. That we would find a place, we'd have a place, a quiet spot. We would spend time just with You. take a moment to have our own hearts before him right now. Just knowing that he cares, knowing that he's calling. Jesus, we come. Maybe for the first time we come. Seriously, we come and we humble ourselves before you and say, Jesus, have control in my life. Take over my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior, my teacher. 
Help us, Lord, in this life. It's hard. It's wicked hard. It's terrible. It's the stuff we have to deal with and face in this life is more than we can handle. Lord, we call out to you. Help us. Help us. Help us. We can't do it on our own. We need you. And we receive the love that you have for us today. We love you in return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's all stand and sing together.